Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Our current series is Everyday Saints, a study of the book of Ephesians, looking into what we have and who we are in Jesus. Uh, and we're going to talk about being filled with the Spirit today. So, I'm excited. Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 6, we're going to verse 21. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the son of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank You for Your people. Thank You for Your grace to us, for Your blood that makes us new, for the family that You create out of who You are. And, uh, God, I just thank you for your grace to Damascus Road. Um, just getting healthier and, and more and more beautiful. I'm, I'm just uh, I'm grateful to call this place my spiritual home, and I'm excited for what you've done. I'm excited for what you're going to do. And uh, thank you for uh, moments like this morning to be able to just hear your people sing to you. God, we want to be a church that's filled with your spirit. We want to be a church that adores and magnifies Jesus, that believes that we need one another and that's a blessing to our city, God. And so, would you empower us to accomplish everything that you have for us, including hearing you today, hearing you for everything that you have for us, changing us, renewing us, directing us. We're going to thank you in advance for it in the belief that you'll do it for your glory and our joy. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I grew up in uh, I grew up in and around the church. I actually, when I was little, 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 my, my family would take me to church every single Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. That's kind of how I grew up. I vividly remember my folks taking me to Bible conferences and having to sit through you know, sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon and, and not being able to get up and act crazy and act like a kid. And, you know, that that's kind of how I came up. I'm a very conservative, even fundamentalist background. And i got to be honest with you, growing up in the church, I, I I understand when people say that that they have a hard time wrapping their head around the church or being optimistic about the church. I, I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by leaders in the church. I, I have a lot of the same wounds and a lot of the same skepticism that maybe you have, especially if you're new to church and you, you know, read the news or, or uh maybe have had some bad experiences. 
just have to say this. Uh, I deeply, deeply, deeply love the church. Uh, if you're looking for a guy to crack on the church, I ain't the one. Um, I'm deeply optimistic. I, I, I think the church is a beautiful, beautiful family created out of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and for every, uh, every wound that I have, I have ten blessings from the church. And, and when I read through texts like the book of Ephesians and see what the church is supposed to be and what God is making the church, I get really excited because what God talks about the church being is something that I want to be a part of. I realize that, that we tend to get in the way of that. And I realize that when we get in the way of that, things go south and people get hurt. But I love reading who God says the church is supposed to be. And what Paul's going to do today is he's going to finish up this walking section. We talked about that the first part of the book of Ephesians, he talks about sitting, receiving everything that God says that we are, believing God for who he says that we are and what our identity is. In chapter 4, he starts to talk about walking that out, our lifestyle, our framework, our our understanding of who we are, and living in the reality of who Jesus has made us, and us not believing the condemnation that we receive, us not believing the doubt or the guilt or the shame, but us saying we are who we are because of who Jesus makes us. And in faith, we're not only going to claim that, we're going to walk that out. And as we walk that out, as we as we apply the truth of who God says that we are, God changes us to look like it. So when I say, yes, God, I believe that I'm a new creation, fully formed in the holiness of God, receiving the mind of God, when I believe that and walk in that, God changes my mind. He changes my heart. He changes my walk. And Paul has taken us through Ephesians chapter 4 and most of Ephesians chapter 5, and he's repeatedly talked about our walk, how our walk, how our lifestyle is supposed to look. And he's going to finish it up today with two walk as, two comparisons, and one be filled with. Now this walk as is an interesting thing because he starts out comparing light and dark. We've just talked about different ways that God says he wants us to walk. He wants us to walk in honesty. He wants us to walk in hard work. He wants us to walk in kindness, in forgiveness, in contentment. And the opposite of all of those things, he calls darkness. And he says, as your lifestyle goes, I don't want you to walk in darkness or walk with darkness. In fact, he says, I don't want you to partner with darkness. Rather, I want you to expose it. I don't want you to to be a part of darkness, but I want you to drag darkness into the light. And here's the reason that he gives. He says, because you're children of light. Do you know that God says that whenever He looks at us, He says that we are, we are light. Not we're trying to be light. This is how we often talk about it. We often talk about that we want to be a city on a hill. We want to have our light not under a bushel. We talk about references from the Sermon on the Mount. But when you read through the book of Ephesians, you see that Paul doesn't say, work hard to be light. He rather says, you are light. You are light. He says, you are light in the Lord. You are children of light. Walk in it. Walk in it. Don't be a part of darkness. Don't partner with darkness. But wherever you go, expose darkness. And wherever you go, drag darkness into the light. And he says that the way that this looks is that we should be people who are good and people who are right and people who are true and people who are transparent. And he says, this is, this is who you are. He doesn't say, and you need to, you need to hear me very clearly. 
that, that the gospel isn't a standard up here that we have to work hard to come and get. That's not the gospel. That's religion. Hear me on that, please. The gospel is, this is the standard, and in Jesus, you hit it. Live in it. Walk in it. Work it out. Apply it to your life. This is who God says that I am. I'm new. I'm whole. I'm redeemed. I'm victorious. I'm loving. I have peace. I'm kind. I have joy. I have self-control. These are all the things that I am in Jesus. And Paul says, walk as though that's true. Why? Because it is. It is true. So walk as children of the light. And then he says, walk as somebody who is not unwise, but is wise. And he gives us two examples of that. He says that people who are wise walk as though their time is not endless, and they walk as though they understand the will of God. And so here's what Paul's saying. He's saying all of these ways that we live that are dark and in darkness, we don't want to be a part of those. We want to walk in the reality of who God says that we are. We want to walk in the light, and we walk want to walk in the wisdom that we don't want to walk in the light tomorrow. We want to walk in the light now. Why? Because our time is not endless, and because time is not guaranteed to us. I want you to listen to me very carefully, please. Don't come in here today and hear what the gospel is, that God makes you new, and say to yourself, I'll do that later. God says that that is unwise. That wisdom says, if that's true, I want it immediately. I want it immediately. And when we talk about what is the will of God for you, the will of God is that you would make much of Jesus and that Jesus would change your life. That's the will of God. And God says that when I know that, it's wise for me to want that immediately. It's wise for me to walk in that immediately. And so here at Damascus Road, we have hopes for two different kinds of people. We have people who, who you're currently in darkness. That's what the Bible says. You're not living in the light, in the reality, in the transparency, in the visibility of everything that God says that He has for you. You haven't received it. You're not walking in it. You don't understand who you are and who God says that you are. You're in the dark. Here's our hope for you. We would love for the lights to come on for you today. We'd love for the lights to come on for you today. Now, I'm not saying if the lights come on, you're not going to have questions. I'm not saying if the lights come on, you're not going to have doubts. But it's important for you to understand that God says, listen, that today is the day of salvation. Today's the day. Today's the day. Today is the day. Yeah. Today is the day for you to know who God says that you are. Not tomorrow, not Monday of all days. Today! The day when God's people are gathered. The day when God's people are singing praise to Him. The day where God's Word is open in the congregation of God's people and God is saying, this is who you are. Today is the day for the lights to come on. Secondly, there's people in here who the lights have come on, but they've been tempted to kind of nudge back up against the darkness. They've been tempted to not live in the reality of who God says that they are, and so they receive and identify themselves in brokenness, in struggle, in pains, in wounds, in distrust, in cynicism. And our hope for you today is very simply that you would come back to the light, that you would live in the fullness. And listen, not tomorrow, not this afternoon, right now today. Right now today, we want you to live in the fullness that God has for you. Right now today, we want you to be free of addiction, free of brokenness. We want you to quickly repent and trust who God says that you are. Why? So that you can be 
a good Christian? No, so you can have everything that God says you have. So that you can walk in wisdom. So you can make best use of the time knowing that time isn't guaranteed to you. Listen, I don't want to go another minute not having everything that God has for me. I don't want to wait on that. I want it now. And here's what God says. I got it for you. I got it for you. It's right here. It's available to you. And in faith, will you believe me? In faith, will you believe me? Will you receive who I say that you are right now, here today? If you're not a Christian, today's the day. If you are a Christian, stop partnering with darkness. Start letting darkness come in and and uh, and define you and identify you and destroy your understanding of who God says that you are. Be quick to repent. Be quick to receive. Be quick to live in faith. Be quick to receive fullness. And here's what God says. That's wise. It's wise. So walk in wisdom. Walk in light. And then He says, I want you to be filled with the Spirit of God. I want you to be filled with the Spirit of God. And here, I want to reread this verse, these verses to us, because this is an idea that many of us uh, are a little cloudy on. And so Paul's going to talk to us around what it means, listen, not just to be a Spirit-filled person, but to be a Spirit-filled place. To be a Spirit-filled people. This is a congregational, communal application. God is saying, I want you to be a church that's filled with My Spirit. I want you to be a church that's filled with the fullness of everything that I have for you. And the fullness of everything that I have for you is that I'm giving you myself. I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. And I want you to live in the fullness with the filling of that. And so, listen to what he says in verse 18. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always, and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul is going to give us three manifestations of a Spirit-filled church. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time just defining for us what it means to be Spirit-filled. And I also want you to notice where Paul talks about being Spirit-filled. Paul has talked about receiving everything that God has for us, He's then talked about living in the reality of it. And as he comes to a close and living in the fullness of what God has for us, he says the best way for you to walk out your faith, walk out the gospel, is for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he's going to start talking about marriage. See what he did there? If you want a biblical, gospel-filled Marriage, you ought to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. If you want to receive everything that God has for you, you ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to be able to walk out your faith in a biblical, God-centered, timely, light-bearing way, you ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul's saying here. Now, when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul is going to give us a comparison. What's the comparison that he gives us with being filled with the Holy Spirit? Getting drunk. That's right. That's right. Spit it out there. Getting smashed. Alright? Now, <laughs> I 
It's good. Love this church. He compares the filling of the Holy Spirit with intoxication. Now, there's a couple things that you need to understand about that. The first is that Paul is making a contextual, a cultural comparison. Here's why. Those who are outside of the gospel community believed that the way that you could best hear from God and best receive and best experience inspiration from deities was to get drunk. And so Paul is saying, that's not true. That's not true. And it's interesting to me because this is a, this is a, uh, a framework that has continued. Have you ever run into somebody who is like this severe hemp, you know, weed smoking hippie and they start talking about it being a real spiritual experience? Yeah, we still do the same thing. We still do the same thing. Maybe some of you are sitting in here. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today. But that's why, that's, that's what Paul's comparing this to. He's saying, first off, this is not the same kind of thing. This is not the same kind of understanding that I need to go and receive another kind of filling so that I can experience all that God has for me. He's also not saying that people who are filled with the Holy Spirit are going to act intoxicated. Now, we we sort of snicker at that, but this is a real easy way for you to be able to discern what's from God and what isn't. There are certain things that you flip on the TV and you watch things happen on TV and people are acting certain ways and blaming God. And yes, I said blaming God. That's not God. That's not what Paul's talking about. It's not just that we can do whatever we want and say it was God. Paul is not saying that being filled with the Spirit looks like someone who's intoxicated. The comparison that he's making is that we want to be under the control of the Spirit in the same way that somebody who's intoxicated is under the control of the spirits. You hear what I'm saying? He's not saying you need to go someplace else to get a filling. He's not saying somebody who's filled with the Spirit looks intoxicated. He's comparing an outside entity having control based on what we what's inside of us. That's, that, that's the comparison that he's giving to us. Now, this verb, this be filled in the Greek that Paul is going to use has certain important understandings. The first is that it's a command. He doesn't say, I would really appreciate it, church, if you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it's a good idea. I'm suggesting to you, he doesn't say that. He says, do it. Do it. In other words, a gospel-centered, community-based, mission-focused church understands that it must in obedience to God, be necessarily filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It's a non-negotiable. A church that is not filled with the Spirit of God, does not have the presence of God, is either dead or well on its way. Hear what I'm saying? What is that thing that when you walk into a room and it hits you when you walk into the room and there's a weight and a depth and a joy and a celebration? What is that? It's the music. No, it's the Holy Spirit. And we want all of that. We want all of that. Equally, have you ever walked into a church room and the music's great and the temperature's right and the lights, but you just go, what am I missing here? So Paul says, listen, be filled, church. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. Number two, the verb is a plural. It's a plural. 
couple of things about that. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not for a special few. It's for everyone. It's not just for the pastor, for the elders, for the deacons. Not just for the extra spiritual folks. Not just for the ones who have enough faith. The Holy Spirit is, is available to and commanded for everyone. You want me to say that again? I'll say that again. Alright, fair enough. It's not for the special few. He's available to everyone. To everyone. So you walk in here today and you say, listen, today's the day. Today's the day that I go out of darkness and into light. Here's what God says. You have the Holy Spirit. You say, but I've never read my Bible. I didn't go to seminary. I don't, I don't know where the book of Genesis is. It's the first book, just FYI. Alright? The Holy Spirit indwells you. There is no hierarchy. There is no, I earned it. There is no, I had enough faith so then God rewarded me with His Holy Spirit. That is not a biblical truth. The truth of the Bible is that the Holy Spirit indwells His people. makes His presence known in His people. is accessible to His people. Not just a select few. It's also the understanding that God wants His presence among the congregation of His people. God wants to be here when we're together. In fact, God says that when two or three are gathered, where is He? Right in the middle. Right in the middle. In other words, God doesn't sit in the back row. God doesn't do that. God sits on the front row. Oh, I'm so excited to be with my people today. That's what God is doing. This command of the filling of His Spirit. This plurality that it's available to everyone. And that God's presence is not only available to everyone, but it's with everyone who names the name of Jesus. Next is it's passive. It's a passive filling. In other words, you don't earn the filling of God. God gives it to you. God gives it to you. It's passive. In other words, you receive the filling of God. Be filled. Right? That's what he says. Be filled. Not get your filling. Not do this so you will be filled. Be filled. God initiates this feeling. God, this filling, not feeling. God gives this filling to His people, to all His people, to the extent that He commands that the presence of God be among His people, and He commands that you be filled with His Holy Spirit. Next is its present tense. So it's commanded, it's plural, it's passive, and it's present tense. Paul envisions, listen, an ongoing reality of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Not, listen, some big special event that we come to and get a filling. Hear me. God wants you to be as filled on Sunday morning as you are on Tuesday afternoon. God doesn't want you to have to go someplace to get filled. God doesn't want you to have to experience something to get filled. The idea here is that the filling of the Holy Spirit is a permanent and present reality in my life and heart. It's the idea that the Holy Spirit is always with me. It's the idea that the Holy Spirit is always guiding me, that I'm always seeking Him, that I'm always talking with Him, that He's my nearest and dearest friend, not when I go do, now. The Holy Spirit is accessible to me now. He's present now. And Paul says, receive Him, receive Him, and be filled with Him, be under His control now. Now. 
Lastly, the command to be filled gives us the understanding that sometimes we are low on the being controlled reality. Right? In other words, the Bible is very clear, listen, that because of the gospel, I'm never without the Holy Spirit. There are times where I'm not being controlled by Him. This idea of being filled is the understanding that there are times where I say to God, I'm not going to be controlled by you. I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to write my own story. I'm going to declare my own identity and my own truth. And Paul is saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Receive the Holy Spirit today. Be indwelt with the Holy Spirit right now because it's accessible to everyone. And I'm commanding you to do this. Commanding you to do this. And here's what Paul does. Paul lays out for us three things that occur in a Spirit-filled church. Three things that occur in a Spirit-filled church. And there's a couple things that I want you to notice. The first is that these are things that happen in community. These are things that happen in community. And secondly, these are things that are common. They're common. Let me tell you why this is important. Does God choose and is God able to do some kind of miraculous, ecstatic event whenever He wants? Yes or no? Absolutely. Does God still do that? Dear God, I hope. Does God lead me? Does God speak to me? Does God give me a word? Yes or no? Yes. Does He still do that today? Dear God, I hope. However, when the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit, He often speaks about it in a communal sense. The Holy Spirit among us. And the manifestations of the Holy Spirit are often things that we would call common. Things that we would call common. Let me give you an example. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentle, good. Now, common in the sense that there's no pyrotechnics. Common in the sense that there's no falling down. Common in the sense that we're just talking about people's character being changed. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. And I want to caution you. Please, I want to caution you. If your definition of the Holy Spirit is that He's only speaking to me and that He only does crazy things, that's not the Holy Spirit of the Bible. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to you. And I'm not saying that God doesn't do crazy things. God does whatever He wants. That's why He's God and I ain't. Okay? Hashtag everyday saints. Um, <laughs> God does whatever He wants. But the manifestation of the Holy Spirit shows up when God's people are together. Shows up in community. Manifests Himself in the presence of God being enthroned on the praise of His people. And it shows up in just changing my character. And here's the problem. The problem is that we change the definition of crazy. That's the problem with the Holy Spirit. And we say that if the Holy Spirit does something that I have never seen anything like that before, that's the Holy Spirit. But if the Holy Spirit makes me more long-suffering, we're like, hmm. 
That's a mistake. It's a mistake. Because I'll tell you, for me to be long-suffering is nothing short of a miracle of God. You hear what I'm saying? And so we need to move the goalpost to where God says the goalpost is. I'm not saying, please don't email me and come up and say, are you saying that God doesn't... I, I said multiple times that God does. But I am saying that when you look at the manifestations of the Holy Spirit as Paul lays out in Ephesians chapter 5 and as he lays out in Galatians chapter 5, and yes, he lays them out in the book of Romans and when he's talking to the Corinthians, and I understand all of that. But when Paul talks to the church, he says the Spirit will show up among you and do things that I say are miraculous and that you need to get on board with. So I'm asking you, whatever your view of being Spirit-filled is, I'm asking you to compare that at least to what God is saying here. I understand that God says it other places, but I want you to see the three things that God says that God's people will do when they're filled with His Holy Spirit. The first is this. Are you ready? Are you sure? They sing. They sing. And what you need to understand about this is that they sing together to God and they sing together toward one another. That's what Paul says to us here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19. Listen to what he says. He says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Be filled with the Spirit and then address one another with psalms. A Spirit-filled church is a church that sings together to God and sings together toward one another. Now, when you read through God's Word, I want you to, in Psalms 22 and verse 3, God says that when His people are singing, He is enthroned on their praise. He's enthroned on their praise. If you go old school and you have a King James Bible, it says that He inhabits the praise of His people. That's why whenever Beth is saying it's such a beautiful thing to just sing to God, she's agreeing with the Bible. God says, I love to hear my people sing. And the beautiful thing about that is that He doesn't even put a quality on that, right? Amen, yes. And the other beautiful thing, this is a great picture of the Gospel, is because I can, hurt, I can hide a lot of bad singing in a bunch of people singing. Can I? And isn't that the Gospel? That in a community of love, a lot of iniquity is covered. We're all works in progress. God puts us as a family, puts Christ as the head of this body, and He says, you're absolutely perfect. That's what the Gospel is. And so when we sing, we're mimicking the Gospel. But two aspects of worship. One is, is vertical. And the other is horizontal. And we don't often think of the horizontal, but I do want to spend a little bit of time on the vertical aspect of praise. I'm going to take you on a quick journey through the book of Psalms. And I want you to read what the Psalms say about singing. Psalms 5 and verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exalt in you. Psalm 33 and verse 1, Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre that's, that's like a guitar, right? Sort of. 
Make melody to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings. Thank God we got some folks who can do that. With loud shouts. See, that's our proof text for why our music is so loud here at Damascus Road. Alright? <laughs> Psalm 95 verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. He goes on. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our Lord. For it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. One more. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. In the assembly of the godly. A people who are filled with the Holy Spirit will sing to God. And listen, as we sing to God, God's Holy Spirit will fill us. It's a cyclical truth. It's a cyclical teaching that when I come in, listen, I prepare my heart to sing to God. I prepare my heart to offer praise to an audience of one. And that as I prepare my heart, God fills me with His Holy Spirit so that I can rejoice in who God is, so that I can make much of Jesus, so I can celebrate and I'm glad to sing even poorly. Why? Because of who I'm singing to. Somebody who's filled with the Spirit wants to sing to God. Wants to sing to God. And that's why whenever I say to you, when I hear you singing, it's such an important metric for me. Because I know that people who want to sing to God, that God has done a work in their heart to make them want to do it. The horizontal aspect, though, of worship, is not only am I singing to God, but I'm singing with you. And it's not just with you generic. It's we are singing praise to God. And, and a lot of times we are so individualistic in our understanding of God's Word that we act as though the only thing that's at play for us is that I come in and that I sing to God, and if I do that, nothing else matters. That's not the teaching of Scripture. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, I want you to see what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, doing what? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What does God say we're doing when we are singing to Him? We're teaching and admonishing who? One another. I've been deeply, deeply, deeply taught by watching some of you worship. I've been, I've been deeply humbled. I've been deeply convicted. I've been, I've been deeply affirmed in watching you worship God. You do realize that God says that when we come together as a body, that we, we are not only ministering to Him, but we're ministering to one another. And that's why I always ask you, please don't watch people worship. Please don't watch the band. 
Worship God because as you worship God, you teach us. You have a responsibility. Listen, you have a responsibility as somebody who is a part of this community to prepare your heart to come in and praise God in the discipleship of others. And God says that that taking on of responsibility occur a responsibility occurs when I'm filled with God's spirit. Listen, the band isn't warm up for the teaching. You hear me? The band is discipleship occurring in our very midst. The band is 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 not is not let's get worked up so that we're ready for what God has to say to us. God is saying it as we're singing. It's a deeply communal, deeply spiritual, deeply experiential, existential relationship between God and His people. And so I'm going to ask you, listen, prepare your heart before you come. Prepare your heart. Pray for God's Holy Spirit to fill you and empower you to bless His name in the congregation of this church. Listen, when you come in here and you say, I don't feel like singing, all that means is you have business to do with God. And so in worship, do it. You need to sit in the back and you need to say, God, my heart is hard before you today. God, my heart is is afraid. God, I'm I'm anxious. God, I'm I'm joyless. God, I then say, God, will you you're bigger than all of those things. And I long to sing to you today. And so I'm going to do this business with you. I'm going to receive the victory that you say that I have so that I can sing with my family and exalt and glorify your name for your glory and for not just my joy, for our joy. God says a Holy Spirit-filled church loves to sing. Loves to sing. Can't wait for the music to start. And sings loud and in the safety of a gospel-filled community that says, Dear God, you sound awful and awesome at the same time. Listen, it's a it's a gospel exercise to sing loudly. Because what is it? I don't I ain't here for you, man. I'm here to claim who God says that I am. And and the beauty of someone claiming who God says that they are as they sound like they're getting tortured is a wonderful, wonderful truth. Number two. Number two, first, a spirit-filled community sings. Second, a spirit-filled community says thanks. Spirit-filled community says thank you. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 20, it says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. If you wake up in a day and you're failing to be grateful for the grace of God, both common and in converting you, you're not filled with the Spirit. Because God says that somebody who's filled with the Spirit is grateful and loves to give thanks. In how many things? In everything, and how often? Always. A guy by the name of Matthew Henry has written a lot of great commentaries. came to this verse and gave an example of a time that he had been robbed. And he's trying to grapple through gratefulness in the context of being robbed. And I want you to listen to what he says. He says, let me be thankful first because 
I've never been robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because I was the one who was robbed and not the robber. What did he do? He understood the grace of God even in things that we would say are tragedies. And what does it take to have that perspective according to Paul? It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit. And here's here's the reality of it. To be grateful, I have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as I'm grateful, the Holy Spirit fills me. The Holy Spirit fills me. It's interesting to watch psychologists talk about talk about people who are grateful and its effect on their life. It's almost like a miraculous thing. This person's life was changed because they started to just be generally grateful about the things that they had, be at peace with the things that they don't. And, and Paul is saying a spirit-filled community, a gospel-centered community on, on whom the Holy Spirit has fallen, they are grateful between them and God. They know the things that God has given to them. They know that God has saved them. They know that God has been good to them. And it defines who they are. But I want you to also listen to this. It also permeates their conversation with one another. In 2 Corinthians chapter 14, I want you to get over there real quick and I want you to check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at what Paul says. He says, Otherwise, if you can give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? In other words, this idea of I'm thankful on the inside. What's Paul say? That's, that's great, but, but how can anyone on the outside know that you're thankful to be able to say amen to it unless you tell them? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being what? Not being built up. You see how God is always talking about one anothering? I'm glad that you're thankful. Who can be thankful with you? I'm glad that you acknowledge that God's doing a work in your life, that God's provided for you. I'm, the way that you do that is the Holy Spirit guides you to it. But you also have to have an understanding of one another that I grab Nolan and I say, Nolan, here's the 15 things that God's doing in my life. And we can be thankful together. And we can be filled together. And we can be transformed together. Why? Because we're one body. Because that's who God makes us. Are we a community that tends to gossip and complain and slander? Here's the thing about gossip. We love to talk about gossip. Gossip's so bad. Gossip's so wrong. We shouldn't gossip. Why? Because you can't be spirit-filled and be a gossiping church. That's why. The two are antithetical to one another. A spirit-filled church is a grateful church. And a spirit-filled church is a church that loves to say to one another, what they're grateful for while they're singing to God together. That's what a Spirit-filled church is. It's what a Spirit-filled church does. And so, not only am I going to ask you to prepare your heart before you come here, but I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have you pray to the Holy Spirit that He would, he would guide you to see the grace of God. And don't make the grace of God a theological thing. I know that the grace of God saves you, but I also know that the grace of God gives you a waffle cone at Culver's for a dollar today. 
I also know that if you came in and you were listening to Miles Davis on the way in, that's the grace of God. The Bible and theologians refer to that as common grace. Common grace. What's the common grace in your life? The fact that I went home today and my furnace was still working. The fact that I, I have a sweater when it's 30 degrees out. Right? The fact that my razor didn't break halfway through me shaving my head. That'd be embarrassing. Right? I could go on and on and on and on and on. The grace of God for pizza. The grace of God for, for March Madness. Right? The grace of God for, for, in, in good music, and good food, and good friends, and good weather, in spring. The grace of God in spring. We all agree on that, right? Yes. But does that permeate our conversation? Or do we complain to one another? And do we, do we talk about the things that God hasn't given us? Look what God says. When a church is filled with the Spirit of God, they'll be thankful. They'll be grateful. And then thirdly, not only do they sing, not only do they say thanks, then thirdly, they submit to one another. They submit to one another. Here's the idea of submission. It's that as individual, I'm submitted to Jesus. Tim Dunn is submitted gladly to Jesus, to the authority of Jesus. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that he leads me. I'm thankful that he says, don't do that. Do that. I'm thankful that He is good and gracious and trustworthy. I'm thankful. But a manifestation of that that requires a filling of the Spirit is that not only do I submit to Jesus, but I submit to Noel. In other words, I exalt Jesus and then I exalt Nolan's rights above my own. That I defer to Nolan and that Nolan defers to me as we both defer to And what would it take for a church that legitimately, because of who Jesus is, preferred and deferred to one another? You know what it would take? A miracle. And that's why God says the miracle is available in the person of the Holy Spirit. That in order for me to look at Nolan and desire more deeply what Nolan needs than what I need, is a working of God by His grace in my heart for His glory and our joy. And our joy. The posture of a Christian, listen, is to be gladly under. Under authority. Under your rights. Under your preference. And there's this thing in us that says, hey, hey, what about me? What about my rights? What about my... And here's the thing you need to understand. First of all, there is no what about me when filled with the Holy Spirit. There's only what about you and what about Jesus. Secondly, this is the reason that God is saying a Spirit-filled church. Because a Spirit-filled church is a church without need. Because as I defer to you, she's deferring to me. And someone's deferring to her. And someone's deferring to him. And, someone... and God builds by His grace and through the power of His Holy Spirit a church that's deferred to one another in exalting the name of Jesus. And people come into it and they're blessed because they're honored. And how does that happen? Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen, 
as I defer, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to defer, and as I defer, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. You see the grace of God in this? That, that as you obey me, I bless you. And as I bless you, you obey me. This is who you are. This is what I've made you. And I'm telling you to live this out. Listen. Now! Right now! Yes! That boy is a preacher! <laughs> In the mouth of two or three witnesses, right? Listen, this is the reason I get excited when I read the Bible. This is the kind of church I want to be a part of. This is the kind of church I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a grateful church. I want to be a, of a, a part of a deferring church. I want to be a part of a singing church. I want people to come in and, and for the first five minutes be all grumpy and stiff, frozen chosen, right? I ain't singing. And then I just want this wave to, uh, okay, maybe I'm just going to tap my foot. And then maybe both feet, right? And then maybe, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm just saying it could happen. It could happen. But we want the fullness that God has for us. And here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. We have it. We have it. We have it. We have it. Stand with me. A handful of ways that you can respond. The first is we take communion every week to remind ourselves of what we have because of who we have and how we have it. We have it because of the blood of Jesus. So come up and take communion. We pray. We pray together. We pray for one another. We love on one another. So if you would like to receive prayer, you can come up and do that. We give and we give because we've been given to. And then what do we do? We sing. That's right. We sing. And so we're going to have the band come up and they're going to lead us in some singing, some spirit-filled singing. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You. I thank You for who You say that we are. God, we say to You, we don't know if we're that. <laughs> we don't feel like we're that. And so we look to Jesus and agree with you on Him. We look to Jesus and agree with you on Him. We say, God, we're not that, but He is. And you say, that's the way that I'm looking at you through Him. And that's the Gospel. And that's the truth. So we claim it. We receive it. We rejoice in it. And it results in the filling of your Holy Spirit that results in you empowering us to be the kind of church that we want to be and that you call us to be and that you say that we are. So we receive the Gospel and we proclaim the Gospel not only to one another, but to our city. So that they can know who you are. They can know what you say is true. So they can receive all that you have for them. For your great glory. For their joy. So God, would you accomplish this, not tomorrow, but today, not then, but now. We'll receive it in gratitude, empowered by your Holy Spirit, and we'll rejoice in prayer and praise. Would you inhabit it for your glory? We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Amen.